Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another of our Worldwide 20s and 30s seminars. Uh, the title of this seminar is Local Discipleship with a Global Perspective, and it's facilitated by my good friend Rick Hill, who works within PCI in a discipleship role there. Those of you who know Rick know he's passionate, he's a great communicator, particularly about discipleship and encouraging the church to that end. And this seminar is a really practical and helpful seminar in helping us not only to develop our own discipleship lives with the Lord, but also to develop a global mindset as we're doing that too. So as always, if you find this seminar helpful, please like it, please share it on social media so that others can engage with it too. May God bless you as you watch. Hello everyone, my name is Rick and thank you for taking the time to join with us today in this seminar, Local Discipleship with a Global Perspective, where I'm going to be considering how we can live locally grounded lives with a global missional mindset in all that we do. Last summer we were on holidays as a family in Jersey. We were lying on the beach and enjoying the view of a pretty impressive castle that stands just at the end of the beach in St Helier in Jersey. And it made for a great view from far off but actually you could easily walk right up to the castle on the sand and many people were choosing to do so. However, what we came to realize throughout our stay was that you could only walk up to the castle during part of the day when the tide was out. Because when the tide came in, the water filled the beach. This is the same picture actually, or the same castle. And when the tide came in, the water filled the beach and actually cut the castle off from the mainland. And this made it a brilliant refuge in the past during attacks from enemies. Maybe it was ideal for anyone wanting to escape the busyness of society. But I'm not sure it made such a good uh, a plan for any holidaymaker who was oblivious to the tidal trends and had made plans to get back that evening. This picture of an isolated castle cut off from meaningful contact and connection forms a picture or a parable of Christians who focus on their own strength and power and prestige, but yet are cut off from others, perhaps cut adrift from meaningful Christian community or else cut off from any impactful cultural engagement. They might look strong, maybe even impressive, but without community, their faith is lonely and without missional engagement, their impact will be limited. In this short seminar today, I want to focus on how we live as disciples of Jesus, not cut off or cast adrift, but with a global mindset and a missional impulse flowing through our journey of discipleship. And we want to start by considering a couple of Bible passages, that, and then I'm going to offer six practical ways that our local discipleship can carry a global perspective. First of all, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, Our hope 
is that as you your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Paul was telling the Corinthians here that as their faith grew, so would their activity and their evangelism. In other words, he was making a direct link between their spiritual growth and their missional impact. It means that discipleship should lead to expansion and mission. The success of our mission is directly related to how passionate we remain about our master. And so this makes our growth as disciples really critical to the cause of mission. But it also means that the cause of mission is vitally important in our growth as disciples. They are linked together. They both go hand in hand. Discipleship and mission go hand in hand. We're not to be an island cut off from others, but a developing disciple whose mission develops too. And this was something that Jesus made clear to his disciples in some of his final words to them, captured in the first chapter of Acts. When he said to them, Then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you notice how the disciples were so focused on their own territory? As they asked Jesus if he was going to restore Israel's kingdom. But Jesus wanted to move their focus way beyond themselves. He wanted them to see further than their own territory. To see much further and wider. You see, this was to be an outward moving mission. An outward moving mission mission from Jerusalem to, to Judea to Samaria and then to the ends of the whole earth. It would start where they were, the city that they were now in, but it would have to go much further beyond. Are you part of the outward moving mission of Jesus? Or has it become for you an inward shrinking mindset of self-interest? Are you part of the outward moving mission of Jesus? Or has it become an inward shrinking mindset of self-interest? You see, Jesus didn't want them to lose sight of where they were. But he was also helping them to see much further beyond the local as well. He was giving them a dual vision for kingdom, for life in the kingdom. The local and the translocal. And this wasn't suddenly a a sudden left turn that Jesus just sprung on his disciples. But this had always been part of God's plan. Right throughout the Old Testament, we see God call his people to be a light to the nations. Yes, they were his people, but he wanted them to shine and in some ways show him off to the world. And here Jesus was simply giving specific instructions to his disciples as to how they should now do this. It was to start where they were and it was to reach much further beyond. In fact, if we break down the areas of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth, we can understand that Jesus' mission is to include the the place that we find ourselves and then spread to the local area. It's to impact the general region or nation and then go to the whole world. City, county, country and world or local neighbourhood, wider region and the nations. 
These will be good categories for us to reflect on in our own discipleship. How much of your life and heart and time and giving intersects each of these points? I'm part of Cornmoney Presbyterian Church and over the past 10 years we have gone on a really significant journey of local evangelism and mission. It has involved fresh community projects, including partnership with Christians Against Poverty or establishing a food bank, setting up a charity shop, pioneering a school uniform ministry to support the most vulnerable families in need. It has reached out practically. It has also involved running Alpha in all sorts of venues and locations, reaching out evangelistically throughout our local neighbourhood and surrounding area. I think Alpha has been in all sorts of places. We've had it in our local church building, but also in a local hotel, a local community centre, and even in the music venue and a coffee shop in Belfast too, which has led to us planting a church in the city centre of Belfast. There's been so much local mission and it has been really fruitful and we've seen people come to faith in Jesus and new people join our church and people in the community impacted and people's needs met and a new church planted. Faith has grown and mission has expanded. But if, if I'm honest, in the last year as we set about developing a fresh strategy for the next phase of our life and ministry as a church, we realised that while local mission had been really, really strong, and we don't want to lose that in any way, we also want to develop a greater global mindset too in the years that lie ahead. We want to grow our global mindset of mission by hearing more and learning more from the global church, by sending more short-term teams, by supporting more long-term missionaries and identifying new mission and projects to partner with. This is a challenge for us as a church but for this seminar, I want to focus on the challenge to us as individuals too. How we can be locally grounded, but also carry this global mindset and perspective in all that we do. So how can we do that? I want to offer, just for the rest of our time, six practical steps. Six practical ways that might help us to develop a stronger global mindset in our discipleship. Maybe not all of them might apply to you, but hopefully a few of them or one or two might be really pertinent for you at this time. The first thing I want to think about is encouraging you to read broader. If I mentioned the names Tim Keller or John Piper or Don Carson or Rick Warren or John Mark Comer, chances are that most of you watching this right now would probably know something of their ministry and maybe have read at least one of their books. Now, what about the names Ajit Fernando, Conrad Mbewe, Vinoth Ramachandra, Federico Villanueva, and Justo Gonzalez. How many of their books have you read? We need to realise that often what we expose ourselves to in terms of Christian authors and pastors and influences is such it's often such a small microcosm of the worldwide church at large. And we often are missing out on learning from huge sections of the global church. This is something I learned as a possibly a 21 or 22 year old. When I travelled to France as part of a scripture union delegation who had the opportunity to attend a European conference there. And there I met people who just broadened my horizons, who influenced me, who shaped my thinking, who challenged my thinking, who in all sorts of ways I saw God at work 
through. And Ed Stetzer writes this. If you are a person of majority culture, it is your place to listen to people on the margin and elevate their voices. If we want to be more like Jesus, he writes, our calling today is to rush to people on the margins, listen to them and let them tell their story. If we would want to learn about how we could stand firm in the midst of persecution, where would we look to for lessons about that? Would it be the church in Thailand or the church in Texas? Where might we learn best about forgiving our enemies and loving people across the divide? Who might we learn from about living with lack or contentment in our circumstances? We have so much to learn from the global church. So how are we allowing our brothers and sisters from across the world to shape our discipleship? Not just what can we do for them, but how can they shape and teach us? I think something that recent race debates exposed without getting into the nuts and bolts of those was often the narrowness of our reading, but it goes far beyond merely race and should cause us to consider who we learn from. The world has changed so much in recent decades, so much so that the centres of Christianity have now shifted. So parts of India or China or Africa and Latin America have seen huge church growth at the same time, while the church in the West actually has been in decline at the same time. In the last 30 years, more people from a Muslim background were told have come to faith in Jesus Christ than, all 14, than 1400 years before that. Yet there are still so many unreached people. God is at work and the global church is actually thriving and has so much to teach us in the West about our discipleship. And so if we're only reading books, hearing from pastors, teachers, leaders, influencers from the modern West, then maybe we aren't reading broadly enough. So perhaps some recommendations for you to start with. Jesus Driven Ministry by Ajit Fernando or Grab Kingdom Without Borders by Miriam Adeney. Or Reading the Bible with the Damned by Bob Eckblad. Or you can check a podcast called For the Life of the World by Willie Jennings. Or online articles from the Lausanne Movement. Or, or a list of reading from Langham Literature. There is literally so much out there. Read broader. And secondly, I want to encourage you to take time to understand the needs. Perhaps before we seek to offer what we can do in mission to partners and projects all across the world, it's important to take time to understand the need. For example, two thirds of the world live in what's known as the 1040 window. It's expected that 60 people die every day there without having even heard the name of Jesus. So there's huge need in some parts of the world for people to hear about Jesus for the very first time. But the cultural dynamics means that evangelism will need to happen in a different way in Beirut than it would in Bangor. We need to take time to understand the need, to listen to people on the ground, to understand the context. And it's important that we don't assume that our methods are best and try to impose that on those that we partner with. We need to ask lots of questions and then take time to listen well. So as we engage with others, we need to discover if the need is, is the need evangelism and church planting or is the need a humanitarian one and for practical welfare provision? Is the need to come and be present physically and, and maybe bring more Christians to help on the ground? 
Or is the need to support those already on the ground from afar through financial and prayerful support? Is the need to train, equip and support Christian leaders already doing great ministry? Or is there actually a need to learn from leaders on the ground and have them teach us? The global church doesn't always need our help. Often we need theirs. A church planter in Portugal was recently telling me that they didn't actually need, really need people coming to build things or even to do things. But he invited people to come and learn and pray. And he said that as they did, they became better supporters of their mission work as a result. Are we taking time to listen, to understand the need? Rowan Williams, I think it was him, who coined the phrase that mission was seeing what God is doing and joining in. And I think that's really important. So it's important to ask how we can be helpful and then seek to respond in those ways. I remember being with a group of young people in Uganda uh, several years ago and we had this extra money that we were able to bring with us that had been given and donated to us by people in our church before we left and and, and we had this money and rather than decide ourselves what we wanted to do which would, perhaps would have been a fairly easy thing we asked the pastor there what might be most helpful for them and he told us he told us the things that they would really appreciate and need See, the needs are so different across the global church and we need to take time to understand them for those that we engage with. For example, in Uganda, you know, there, there were lots of kids and people already connected to the church then, there. The need wasn't really to go out and get more in. The need was to educate them, to practically provide for them and teach and disciple them. But the next year, some of the young people that I brought to Uganda then went on a team to Croatia to visit a church there and one of them when he came back told me that he didn't really know at the start of the team how to help because when he arrived he thought he was going out to help people and lift them out of poverty maybe similar to what he'd been doing in Africa the summer before but when he arrived he didn't know what to do he said initially because he'd raised this money and he didn't really see much poverty around he wondered if there was really any need he needed to understand the need better and the need in that church was encouragement from fellow believers. They wanted the example of other young people their age following Jesus to help build up the young people in, the ch in, in their church. And yes, the all-age team did some building and with some professionally skilled workers that had come along. But mostly it was in coming alongside the believers and ministering to one another. But if you went to Spain or France, there might be very few Christians there. So that might be more appropriate or they might appreciate more Christians to come and live and work and move there and, and engage in church planting and evangelism and join what they're doing. We need to understand the need. Thirdly, I, I would encourage you to live locally with a welcoming posture. So actually having a global mindset and perspective doesn't always mean traveling to the other side of the world. Um, Nathaniel Jennings from OMF in a, in a recent seminar said this. I thought it was brilliant, challenging but brilliant. Some Christians would rather that a Syrian or Nigerian Muslim would hear the gospel in their homeland and stay there far away than have to deal with one of them turning up in their churches with the bother that this would bring to their lives and the inconveniences and challenges to the way we do church. He went on to ask, if, our, if your church, if, if my church was a place where a foreigner could wander in 
and they could be warmly welcomed and be made to feel at home. And not just as some novelty or at a superficial level, but actually be invited into our homes and become our friends. The church shouldn't look like us, but a healthy church will be made up with a diversity of people. And if you think this can't happen or it's unrealistic here in Northern Ireland, then I'd love to take you to a Presbyterian church in the Lisburn Road, where the eldership of that church contains some Iranian and Farsi-speaking believers. Or just last year in our church plant in Belfast that I mentioned earlier, we as a team were just setting up for another Sunday of worship, teaching, and children's ministry, when a family walked in off the street. Their English was extremely limited, but it was clear right from the outset that there was immediate need there. Honestly, their presence probably caused a major or minor disruption to a small team preparing to welcome people to a relatively new church gathering. We're still setting culture and we're still getting to know each other and we're still, you know, just, just getting off our feet, really. And yet I'm thankful to say that some brilliant individuals immediately enveloped that family in that moment and tried to work out some short-term solutions initially to what was an emergency situation. There was Jill who did colouring in with the two kids while their parents tried to communicate with their needs to joy. And then as, as understanding began to develop, there was Stuart who sourced some agencies to contact for immediate help. And then there was Ross who paid for a hostel for the night. It was a team response and it lasted several hours from opening the church building to well after normal closing time. But what was even better was that that response went way beyond Sunday. To the kids toys package that was provided later that week. To the help in filling out application forms to a family that had little English, to the welcoming of the family to their to people's homes for food, and also the acceptance of an invitation to their house for food, something that was very important. We now know they came from the come from the Middle East. The story of how they ended up in Belfast is mind blowing and pretty hard to believe. But a year on this precious little family are now present in that church plant most Sundays. They're thankful for the community around them and the people that they can now call their friends. They know, now know the name of Jesus with some understanding as they settle in a brand new place and culture. But what if? What if this wasn't an unusual story? But what if it became more of our norm? How can you develop a global mindset as you live locally? Who can you befriend, welcome and share your life with. It starts here and it starts as part of your discipleship. Fourthly, I want to encourage you to learn about current issues from a global perspective. Do we just know about the issues that are happening in our country or, or in the West? I heard Barry Ford say recently that he realised several years ago that the Ebola outbreak had only come to his attention when a British nurse had contracted it. And when, by then, it had become a major epidemic across Africa. So we are aware of the impact of COVID-19 here, but how aware of it are we in other places? Are we learning about cultural events and trends elsewhere in the world, or do we only care what affects us? What's the source of our news? The Twitter timeline of our favorite voices or trusted sources who highlight real needs around the world? Are we aware right now of the persecution of Nigerian Christians? 
or the treatment of Chinese Muslims right now? How should we go about responding to these things as followers of Jesus? Should we care? Do we care? It's a challenge, but that's part of what it means to grow in discipleship, to develop God's heart for the marginalized and mistreated far beyond us. One of the great things I think about lockdown church virtual services was the how church, churches began to get contributions from lots of people, a variety of people remotely. So people were zooming in for services or sending testimonies or prayers for YouTube and it was great. But suddenly churches discovered that they could have people from around the world contributing to their services, even though this wasn't possible before, even though this was possible, sorry, before lockdown. So how could you include global voices in the things that you're doing in your church? Maybe as you lead a youth group or um, meet as a small group or organize a prayer group, there might be very accessible ways to facilitate hearing from those elsewhere in the world. Learn about current issues from a global perspective. Fifthly, I want to encourage you to visit short term. I know that sometimes there isn't all, this isn't always the most immediate or helpful thing in terms of long-term mission, but I do think it's an important way for discipleship growth to develop a better global mindset for the long term by going and experiencing life in a different culture. Sometimes this can be through short-term mission teams, but it might also be by simply going and living elsewhere for a period of time and connecting with local churches or mission workers as you do. This is a seminar that is specifically targeted to those in their 20s and 30s and there are particular times in that age bracket where this might be easier to do. What if we didn't just view places as holiday destination but with kingdom eyes? What about going and somewhere and living alongside the locals, joining a church and contributing to the mission there. A student on one of the teams I took to Uganda that I'd mentioned earlier, while we were there, really wisely discerned that the two-week experience that we were having wasn't really what normal life was like there. She'd had a taste of it and she wanted more. So she went to live there for a year. She found it hard in places, but was richer for it in the long term. In developing a global perspective, at times we need to get practical. I love the question from the angel that I didn't read in Acts chapter 1, immediately after Jesus ascended into heaven. He said to them, why do you stand there looking into the sky? And I'd be tempted to say, well, because, you know, Jesus has just ascended into the clouds or because this feels pretty like a special moment or a miraculous moment. But the angel was saying, in other words, stop standing there and get on with the job. And so too for us. We shouldn't be so fixated on spiritual experiences that we lose sight of sharing with the lost. A global mindset means that at times we'll get practical and maybe at times it means we need to go. There's a time to go if we go and as we go with the right posture and mindset. And lastly, I think in our growing discipleship, I think it's important to establish regular patterns of giving that really impact the world. I think this is particularly important in your 20s, especially as you receive your first salary. I can remember being about to receive my first monthly pay whenever I was 21. 
Before this, I'd been a student and living off a mix of student loans and odd part-time jobs in the bank of mum and dad. Uh, but suddenly I was about to get a sum of money regularly placed into my account on the same date every month. It wasn't a massive amount in context, but it was far more than I'd ever received before. And elsewhere, with friends and conversations, I'd been wondering what I could spend it on. And articles I'd read encouraged me to blow it in something big and memorable. But I'm thankful for an older and much wiser Christian who, over the course of a lunch, said something that I've never forgotten. You have the opportunity now to set a pattern of giving for your life. Now is the time to set up some standing orders to your church and other ministries, she said. Give it away before you will miss it. Give it away before you will miss it, were the words that were lodged in my mind. How might we learn to give money away before we might miss it? As a couple, we annually try to review our giving. If we receive a pay increase, then we realise that it's time to up our giving. We try to give it away before we miss it. But it's also important to give sacrificially too. It's good to give generously and sacrificially some of our resources away to support mission across the globe, even in places that I might never set my foot, and in some cases to people that I have a deep connection with. I've found that actually giving my money away to those engaged in the forefront of mission has actually grown my heart and it's increased my prayers for those people and projects. So in your local discipleship, consider how you're regularly and generously giving your resources to the worldwide church and God's global kingdom mission. So as I draw this to a close, I would love you to consider with me if your discipleship is cut off and isolated, has it become an inward shrinking mindset of self-interest? Or are you part of the out outward moving mission of Jesus' kingdom? Deepen your discipleship so that your vision and mission can expand. And then read broader, understand the needs, live locally with a welcoming posture, learn about global issues, visit short term, and establish regular patterns of giving. And my prayer for you, like Paul's for the Corinthians, is that as your faith continues to grow, your sphere of activity will greatly expand so that the gospel will be preached in the regions beyond you. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.